Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to our 15th dose. Excited to be back in Austin and covering some exciting companies today. First, we'll get into Column Tax, hot off their $21.7 million Series A, led by Bain Capital Ventures, with participation from Not Boring and others, to help everyday Americans navigate taxes. Then, we'll discuss Altro, which recently raised an $18 million Series A, led by Pendulum, with participation from Marcy Ventures, which is Jay-Z's venture fund, and others, to help people build credit through recurring subscriptions. As Jay-Z once said, 99 problems, but building credit ain't one. Next, we'll talk about Arrived, which just raised a $25 million Series A, led by Forerunner Ventures, with investments from Bezos Expeditions and others. The company empowers people to invest in diversified portfolios of single-family homes through fractional ownership. And after a trio of Series A's, we get into Gusto, a modern HR platform, and their recent $55 million Series E extension. The Decacorn could be poised to go public soon, and that gets us into a broader discussion on the recent downturn in the public and private markets and how the venture landscape is quickly shifting. Sam, I tell you, it sure is great to be back alongside you talking about Jay-Z and Decacorns and the like in the great state of Texas. Boy, I agree. It is hot as ever down here in Texas, but venture may finally be cooling off. <laughs> Get this man some lemonade. It's the air, kid. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. Okay, first company of the day is Column Tax, which recently announced their $21.7 million Series A round, led by Bain Capital Ventures, with participation from, not boring, our favorite, Packy McCormick. (laughs) (laughs) Packy. Shout out, Packy. Column Tax is a really cool company. They provide an API that plugs into existing banks and fintech apps to help ordinary people understand their taxes better throughout the whole year. They leverage existing data from the partners that they work with, these apps and banks that they integrate into, to offer the most efficient filing experience. The company was only started just over a year ago, and they've already grown their revenue 15 times over since their seed round last summer. Right, so already some explosive growth from Column Tax, and... Some attention-grabbing stats from the website, 73% of Americans rely financially on their tax refund, which was a shockingly high number for both Sam and I to read. And Column Tax helps its partners democratize access to these funds, these tax refunds, and provide users with year-round financial help. To dive into more specifically how Column Tax works, First, the user would import personal info through images and attachments through the app. Second, they would fill out a questionnaire. And third, they are guaranteed a maximum refund when filing. This kind of sounds like TurboTax. 
It does. It does. And I was trying to figure out a little bit more about how they differentiate themselves. And I think the main takeaway there is that they don't have their own app. Whereas TurboTax is mainly you go onto TurboTax.com, you do all that stuff. And it's, it's also mainly something that you do one time per year. Whereas column tax is something that integrates into existing banking apps. The idea there is that they are meeting this 73%, you know, the stat that you just cited, the 73% of Americans who rely financially on their tax refund, they're meeting those folks where they already are in, in a wide variety of banking apps that they already use. So they're meeting that customer where they are. They're providing them with accurate information regarding their taxes. Right. Instead of having to have a whole other platform like TurboTax that you have to track all of your money moves you made throughout the year, ColumnTax alleviates some of that pressure by plugging into your banking and fintech apps and tracking your taxable events. There's also this educational component to it to provide not only something around tax season in March and April, but something year-round so that they're well-prepared to know exactly what they're going to get in their tax refund. That way they're not guessing and can better prepare their finances once that time comes. Yeah, I actually love that differentiating factor there because, like you just said, instead of months before tax season trying to scramble and figure out where all your monies went and what is taxed, what's not taxed, I like that column tax can keep track of your taxable events throughout the year. And to be honest, I mean, being able to navigate the tax code is such a great way of building and preserving wealth, which is actually touches on the mission of column tax, which is wealthy people have several people or teams dedicated specifically to tax and financial advice year round, whereas most people don't and actually need that advice and guidance more than the extremely wealthy people that can afford these tax and financial advisors. You're totally right. This group of Americans that rely financially on their tax refund deserve the advice and and the quality of help from tax advisors and financial experts that wealthy people have. Wealthy people have it because they can squeeze out some extra dollars and Mm -hmm. continue that wealth building machine that they have. Of course, they would do that by investing in, you know, the expensive advice. But to have a tool that makes that kind of education and advice available to the masses makes a whole lot of sense. So it's a very cool mission. And this injection of capital, along with the backing of very respectable investors, makes us think that they're, they're onto something here. So very cool company and column tax. Second story Sam and I wanted to cover today is Ultro, which just raised an $18 million Series A led by Pendulum with participation from Marcy Ventures, Jay-Z's very own Hove, Hove. (laughs) very own venture capital fund, as well as City Ventures, Black Capital Fund, and more. So the founder of Ultro, Michael Broughton, grew up in a big family and his parents worked multiple jobs to pay the bills. And that helped fuel the mission that he's on to help people build credit for free. So essentially, the company allows users to build credit through recurring subscription payments like Netflix or Spotify. Right, kind of payments that you know everyday people make, but maybe they aren't contributing currently to their credit score to building credit. 
So to take advantage of something that already exists, a payment that people are, you know, going to make regardless because they want to listen to music and be able to watch Netflix, why not leverage that recurring payment to prove a bit of credit worthiness? And it was interesting to learn that maybe those kinds of payments weren't contributing to raising one's credit score, but a really cool idea certainly to leverage that for people that might more traditionally not be able to build credit as easily. And as I've transitioned, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but as I've transitioned into this young adulthood, I've realized the importance of building credit. And I think this also plays into a trend we've covered several episodes now, which is monthly subscription services, whether that's buy now, pay later, like we discussed last Mm -hmm. week, or several of these services we've covered that are monthly subscriptions. To take that comparison even a little further if you think about within the venture space and this is this is a far-fetched uh, comparison here but we'll, we'll see where this leads yeah, venture capitalists can value companies based off of the recurring revenues that they bring in in another light credit scores should take into account the predictability and the nature of all the subscriptions that people pay and and you're right this is a growing trend where a larger portion of people's spending comes in the form of predictable monthly payments. Now, if they continue to make those payments, that should contribute to, towards a better credit score and credit worthiness. So I think that's a really cool way to help people build credit. Right. And to further build connections to other trends we've highlighted here in VenturePill, we, we've covered companies like Upstart, which are finding new ways to assess credit worthiness outside of the traditional credit score and using AI and machine learning to essentially just introduce new factors and variables into someone who may not have a perfect credit score to, to allow them to get favorable loan terms. Right. Yeah, I think to, to sum this one up, I think you know democratizing access to better financial resources, to better credit, this is all combating a, the more traditional financial system that has favored people who are already wealthy. And and that contributes to certainly a large income and wealth gap. A hundred percent. Well said. Um, just to put a bow on Ultra here, I think it's worth mentioning that it also has a financial education component of the app, which comes totally free and democratizes education to investing, personal finance, and managing money. So again, we've discussed financial hygiene before, and this seems like another company that empowers people to build wealth and take control of their finances. Yeah, I love that mission. And, you know, it seems we, we, we always gravitate towards these types of companies in fintech, but also the ones that are helping people who haven't traditionally had help in that space. So mm-hmm. another great one, Altro, with some cool investors as well. We'll be excited to see how they do. Rule of thumb, anything that Jay-Z is behind, I'm going to be a fan of. So (laughs) excited to see the growth there. Third story Sam and I wanted to cover today is actually another Series A. It's Series A day. Series A day, baby. (laughs) This company is called Arrived, and they recently raised a $25 million Series A led by Forerunner Ventures, as as, as well as Bezos Expeditions, which is the personal investment company of Jeff Bezos as well as Good Friends, which is a venture fund run by the CEOs and co-founders of Allbirds, Warby Parker, and Harry's. Interesting. 
I haven't heard of them before. Right? Very interesting coalition there. And a couple other investors as well. So Arrived lets people like you and me invest in single-family rentals for as little as $100. Now, to clarify, fractional ownership in real estate is not exactly a new concept. We've seen it rise in popularity over the past few years. In fact, we were talking about Point just a couple episodes ago, which as a refresher is a company that allows homeowners to sell equity in their homes to investors. The differentiator here though with Arrived is that it is fully SEC qualified. And by that, I mean it has approval from the SEC to offer and trade individual shares of homes. So Arrived spent approximately one year working with the SEC on regulation to simplify the approval process for the potential investors. And as a result, interested parties can browse a property listing and hit a buy now button to buy shares in under four minutes, according to the CEO. Wow. Just four minutes. Four minutes and you're buying a share in a, some home in southeast Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That, that is pretty cool. And I, I could not imagine all the negotiations and conversations that went on working with the SEC. That had to have been a nightmare. And I know we've seen other companies out there that claim to fractionalize ownership in real estate, but it seems that Arrived has arrived at the best solution. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I can dive into a little bit more how it actually works. So Arrived acts as the asset manager and partners with property management companies to find renters and manage all the day-to-day rental operations. They also handle the operational work and enable users to earn passive income by building a portfolio of rental properties. So you can truly diversify, Mm -hmm. pick and choose which homes you want to invest in. You actually can't invest in more than a 9.8% stake in a property, which was actually designed intentionally by Arrived for favorable tax treatment. So when you invest on Arrived, you can invest a minimum of $100 all the way up through tens of thousands and that creates a passive income stream through quarterly dividends. They do hope to offer monthly dividends in the near future. Mm -hmm. Right, and along with the passive income earned through quarterly dividends, investors actually get to participate in the property appreciation since the value of the shares is tied to the value of the property. Now, of course, we have to mention there's also risk if the value of the property drops, but given how the real estate market has been lately, that's a risk most are willing to take, I would say. Um, A little bit more into how Arrived works. So each house is actually owned as an individual LLC, and the investments are structured as REITs, real estate investment trusts. So when the LLCs enter a loan agreement, no investor names are on the hook for the loan. So even if the investment crashes and burns, the investors can't lose more than their original investment, which is another differentiator from the traditional way of owning property where you know, the liability is so extreme and deters a lot of people with a barrier to entry. With Arrived, all you can really lose is your initial investment. To circle back, I think it's incredible how Arrived lets you essentially put together a portfolio of rental properties. So as opposed to saving up for years and being able to invest in a couple properties, this allows you to invest in hundreds of different properties if you can, and allows you to really build a diversified real estate Uh, portfolio, which I think is a pretty novel concept. Yeah, Arrived reminds me of 
Honestly, the angelist of real estate. And I know at this point, <laughs> it's just a running joke that angelist creeps its way into almost every episode. But, you know, jokes aside, it allows people to diversify their investments. If you think about angel investing in startups, that's real risky, right? But if you can find a way to diversify and own a smaller portion of a lot of different companies, that becomes a smarter way to invest in such a great asset class. Mm -hmm. Talk about another asset class in real estate that is just historically performed well, provides good cash flowing investments. And I think that's, that's a great way to allow people like you and me to invest a, a very small amount, whereas you might need to take out a lot of debt to invest in a big property. And at that point, you're only investing in one and putting kind of all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. So, very cool. Some stats to cite for you guys. To date, Arrived has funded over 100 properties across 17 cities for a total of $40 million invested. Now, the homes on the platform range anywhere from 165K to 650K, and over 5,000 investors have bought shares of property, many for the first time. Right, and that actually plays into Arrived's mission, which is, quote, to make real estate investing easy and accessible to people who don't have the expertise, the time, or the large amounts of capital needed to buy a rental property on their own. Now, I'm going to get into how Arrived actually makes money, because obviously at the end of the day, that's what keeps the lights on for the company. So they make money two ways. One, there's a sourcing fee. So they charge a 3 to 3.5% sourcing fee for acting essentially like an agent on behalf of their investors. Yeah. The second way they make money is they charge 1% per year of the equity that's invested as an asset management fee. Again, similar to the traditional venture capital model, you know, of a, of a management fee. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll use this funding, obviously, to expand into new markets. But specifically, they mentioned Florida and Texas, which definitely come to mind in terms of hot real estate markets. Right. And they're going to expand their product line, hopefully to get into short-term rental properties like the ones you find on Airbnb, which I think is really cool. Certainly another emerging asset class within real estate is short-term rental market. So that would be really cool. Yeah. And to touch up on some of the traction that Arrived has had recently, uh, there might be people sitting at home right now wondering, you know, how popular is a platform like this actually? So the company recently launched 12 new properties in four distinct markets, and they all sold out in a matter of hours. Wow. So... The demand is there. The demand is there. The ability to own fractional shares of real estate and build a portfolio is something that is already demonstrating a lot of traction amongst users. Massive opportunity there. The real estate market itself is trillions, I, I think. And Sounds right. I mean, I want to diversify my own investments into real estate at some point. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Okay, last company of the day is Gusto. Gusto recently announced a sort of Series E extension round, estimated to be around $55 million at what appears to be the same valuation as their original Series E that they raised back in 2021, putting them at a $10 billion valuation. A massive company. I'm familiar with Gusto since Interplay, the company I work for, uses them as our HR platform for payroll, benefits, and more. This round was led by T. Rowe Price & Associates. 
with many other investors on the cap table, including Fidelity, General Catalyst, and Franklin Templeton. So Gusto is positioned as the modern HR platform, which takes care of payroll, benefits, and so much more, including time and attendance, talent management, insights and reporting, hiring, as well as onboarding. So really a full suite of services in terms of the HR department there. It automatically files the company's taxes, also helps identify tax credits to help the company save money anywhere and everywhere possible. Yeah, the platform integrates also really well into the other workplace apps that a company leverages. And the numbers speak for themselves with the amount of customers that Gusto has. It's over 200,000 at this point and growing fast. I think their main customer was generally always startups, giving them a platform to manage all their HR functions. But I, I know that they've grown so fast and at a $10 billion valuation, you know, it's fair to assume they work with a lot of large corporations as well. But really why we wanted to cover this announcement was more to get into a discussion about the recent dips in valuations that we've seen, certainly in the public markets, Mm. now that we're starting to see trickle into the private markets and looming. It's been crazy to see how quickly things have shifted with layoffs, with venture capital firms slowing down their investment pace. It'll be really interesting to see how the landscape shifts. In terms of gusto here, it was a flat round, which means they raised money at the same valuation as they did several months ago. If a company did that, you know, in late 2021, that would have raised some eyebrows. Like, geez, like, why aren't they growing? That'd be a red flag. Yeah, huge red flag. But at this point, things have shifted so much that a flat round is actually still not a bad sign. I think it's really just a mere extension of runway so that they can prepare to potentially go public. That's at least the speculation that we saw. But yeah, I wanted to dive in a little bit, talk about the recent changes in the investing landscape. Right. I mean, it's been an absolute bloodbath, frankly, in the public markets for the past month or so. And even in venture capital, it certainly, there was no doubt that it was being referred to as a frothy market and valuations, especially just given how venture capital is very skewed towards tech and software. Some of the valuations were really out of this world. So I I take no joy in being, you know, a doomsday bear here, but I think it kind of makes sense to see this looming recession and dips in valuations that we are seeing come to fruition in both the public and private markets. Yeah, knocking people's expectations down to earth again, I think. You know, we were seeing multiples and typically if you don't know how venture capitalists value startups, they usually go off of a multiple of revenue. What does that mean? How much revenue are they bringing in? You multiply by a certain number, which is generally an accepted range given the industry and the traction, right, for software. It it was getting really high in terms of like all the way up to 100x multiples, Mm -hmm. whether that was 50, 70, even 20 is, is high. I think those have really gotten knocked down and are coming back to back to earth, like I said. Companies that just recently went public are actually trading at a lower valuation than they were at their last private round. And maybe that was an influence for Gusto raising a a Series E extension as opposed to going public. We know that they're likely trending towards going public soon, but maybe they assess the current market climate and sentiment and decided it'd be better in the long run to raise a Series E extension even though it was a flat round at the same $10 billion valuation, 
Right. Yeah. It, it would be tough to know exactly why Gusto decided to do this. I almost thought maybe that they, you know, if things kept trending as they were, maybe they were even looking to raise like a series F with a much higher valuation, but the timing worked itself out to where things started trending downwards. Maybe they just need to extend their runway uh, until their possible IPO. And I think this just serves as a good example of what we may start to see a lot more of in the coming weeks, months, potentially years, is this hesitancy to keep raising at such high valuations in the private markets, ultimately setting up the company for failure once they reach the public markets. Companies in late stages may think a lot more carefully about their next move in terms of financing. They may only be able to raise at certain valuations now, but they may think more carefully about the valuations that they're going for and how that positions themselves in, in future years when they potentially want to exit. Right. And for startups like this, timing is everything. Not that you should try to time the market or anything like that, but I think, again, just given the current climate and all of the macro factors impacting the economy and the public and private markets, I agree we'll definitely start seeing some of these companies being a little more strategic, a little more patient, and a little bit more conservative with these follow-on rounds. We're, we're entering a new era. I think it's exciting for folks like us who are younger, haven't necessarily lived through a recession that, that we could truly understand, and especially in the venture markets. We've been in such a long bull run where companies are just doing well, raising new rounds. You know, we might start to see more bad news in, in, in the headlines. We're starting to see some layoffs, some down rounds. These are things that we haven't really covered yet on the pill, but it may start to become a more prominent part of our show, and that's just how the market goes. So I'm personally excited to, to see what happens, and we'll, we'll be covering a wide spectrum of, of companies and, and rounds, I'm sure. Right. Well, we'll be here with our pilgrims every step of the way. Every step of the way through the downturn, through the boom and the bust. That's the pilgrimage. That's the pilgrimage. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on Venture Pill. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but what 